Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together to your house this morning and be able to worship you together. Thank you for the cooler weather that we can enjoy today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather as a church and as a body uh, with the goal of worshiping you this morning. Thank you for your word and what it teaches us about truth. I pray as we consider this morning what you have for us, that we would be attentive and responsive to your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. And we are continuing our series in the book of Joshua called Take the Land. Several weeks ago, we began in Joshua chapter 1, and we looked at the command on Joshua to go and to take the promised land that God had given to the children of Israel. He said, Arise, go over Jordan. He reminded Joshua of his wonderful promises that God would be with him and with the nation of Israel as they went about in obedience to complete the task that God had given them. And then he told them that the word of God, the book, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. He told him to remember the truth of God's word and continue in the truth. Then the next week we looked at the next part of the story. As Joshua and the children of Israel went to the Jordan River and they crossed over the Jordan River as God parted the sea for them. We looked at their obedience even though they couldn't see how it all was going to work out. They marched up to that river, and God spoke to them and said they would go through on dry ground, and they trusted God, and their priests stepped forward, put their toes in the river, and the water parted, and they walked through on dry ground. And God did a wonderful miracle that day on behalf of His people. Then last week, we were in Joshua chapter 8. We really looked at the next several chapters as they defeated Jericho, And then they defeated Ai. And we looked at the difference between those two battles. We know they defeated Ai ultimately, but initially they lost a terrible battle in the city of Ai. Many people died because of the sin of Achan. And because of his sin, and because it was not dealt with, he had gone against what God had specifically commanded him to do. Many people died. So... Now that brings us this morning to Joshua chapter 9. And this morning we're going to see how the children of Israel have continued on in their journey to take the land. They have now conquered Jericho. They have conquered Ai. They had come across the Jordan River. God was blessing. They had dealt with some sin that was in their midst. That had been taken care of. And now they were continuing on to do what God had commanded them to do. But we're going to notice something this morning. That as they continued in this process, even though they were trying to do what was right, they forgot something very important. And as we seek to do what God wants us to do in our lives, it's important that we do things right. It's important that we obey God's word. But there's something that we must do as well, just like the children of Israel forgot to do. You'll see what that is here in just a few minutes. Look at Joshua chapter 9, 
Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when all the kings which were on this side Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys, and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite, heard thereof that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. These people heard about this nation that was coming in to attack. They were coming in to take over their land. And so they all got together and they said, we're going to fight these guys. Now think about it. If you were one of those enemies, one of the guys who were in the land and the nation of Israel was coming in, think about what you knew about the nation of Israel. You knew that these people have been walking around the wilderness. You probably knew that they'd been out there wandering for a long time. You knew, though, that they had crossed through the Jordan River on dry ground during flood season. Now, you may say, I don't, I don't know. That, maybe that didn't really happen. Maybe they got across. Maybe that's just a story, right? Maybe they thought it was just a legend or something. But what happened next? Oh, yeah, the children of Israel marched around the city of Jericho one time for six days, seven times on the seventh day, and the walls fell down flat. That wasn't just a coincidence. They knew that the city of Jericho had strong walls. They knew that those walls didn't just fall down of themselves. They might have said, hmm, maybe there was a big earthquake. I don't know what caused that. But then they had seen the children of Israel had walked in and defeated the city of Ai. They heard about this. So their response was to gather a group of armies together and go fight against the children of Israel. That's what everybody in the land was doing, except for one group of people, the Gibeonites. They looked at those guys coming in that marched across the Jordan River on dry ground that walked around Jericho and the walls fell down flat and they said, We don't want to fight against these guys. So they came up with a different plan. Let's read about that in Joshua chapter 9, verse number 3. The Bible says, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work willily or wilily. They were wily folks. They decided to come up with a different plan. What was that plan? It says they went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took up old sacks upon their asses. That was their donkeys. And they uh, and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. That's interesting. They decided to come up with a little bit of a tricky plan. They put on old clothes that were dirty and torn. They put on old shoes that were dusty and dirty. They went in the back of their cupboard in their house and they pulled all the old moldy bread out and they put that in their bags. They went and got these wine bottles. Now in those days, the bottles to carry drinks were made out of skins, like animal skins that had been cleaned out and preserved. 
And but over time, those skins, right, leather, it would crack and it would get old. And so they found the old ones that were cracked and had leaks in them and holes in them. And they and they grabbed those together and they made out like they had been traveling a really long ways to come see Joshua. Now, was that were they had they really traveled a long ways or were they trying to trick them? They were trying to trick them, weren't they? And so as they came up, here they came. And the Bible says, and verse 6, And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him, to the men of Israel, We come from a far country. Now make you a league with us. That means make a treaty with us. Make a, let's join forces. Let's not fight against each other. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. Isn't that interesting? They didn't just hear about what had happened to Ai and Jericho, they had heard about the plagues way back in Egypt. That was over 40 years before. They said, in all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. These were kings that were defeated as the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, take victuals, that's food, take victuals with you for the journey and go to meet them. And say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and it is moldy. They said, We took this bread fresh out of the oven and we put it in our bags. And look, we've been traveling so long now, it's all dry and moldy. You see, they claimed to come from a far country. They claimed that they were coming from afar, trying to make a treaty, and they were really flattering the Israelites. We've heard about all these amazing things that you've done. We've heard about all the things that happened. They said these bottles of wine were filled, were new, and behold, they be rent or torn. And these are garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey now i want us to pause just a minute (coughs) and talk about why this story is even included in the book of joshua remember god had given joshua the command to take the land but god had put some very specific regulations or rules or boundaries around how that was supposed to look and who they were supposed to take Turn in your Bible back to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want you to see what God had commanded the children of Israel to do when they went in to possess the land of Canaan. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1 says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, right? that's the land we're talking about, land of Canaan, Whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, 
and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. So God said, here are some specific groups of people that you are not to make a covenant with. In fact, don't make any partnership with these people. Instead, destroy them completely. Do you see the group of people there, the different groups? Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, and the Hivites. Do you remember back in chapter 9 of Joshua what they said about the Gibeonites? Where were the Gibeonites from or what group of people were they a part of? Look at verse 7. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites. Now, that group of people, the Hivites, is mentioned back there in Deuteronomy chapter 7. This was one of the groups of people that they were supposed to destroy. Now, did the children of Israel know that they were Hivites? No, they didn't at this juncture. They didn't know where they were from. They just thought they came from a far country. They looked at their shoes, they looked at their clothes, they looked at their bread, they looked at their wine bottles, and they said, these guys must have come from a long way away. But they hadn't. These were Hivites. These were part of the people, group of people that God had said to utterly destroy. God repeated himself in Deuteronomy chapter 20. You can read that in verses 10 through 18 of Deuteronomy 20. The Bible says, When thou comest nigh into a city to fight against it, Proclaim peace unto it. This is interesting because God did have a way to make a covenant with certain groups of people. Here's what he says. It shall be if it make the answer of peace and open unto you, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee and they shall serve thee. So he said, when you come to a city to attack it, declare peace. Say, hey, we want to have peace. And if they invite you in, Then make peace with them and they can pay you tribute. They're going to be your servants, but don't destroy them. But did God say that was for everybody? No, he didn't. In fact, if you keep reading down, it says, verse 16, But of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded you. Why did they, God say to destroy them? He said, because that they teach you not to do after all their abominations, which they have done unto their gods. So should ye sin against the Lord your God. He said, destroy all of these people These specific groups. These are the ones that live in the land with you. Why? Because they're going to teach you to follow after their false gods. Now, if you know the story of the nation of Israel, what became their downfall as you move forward in their history? False gods. Idols. Where did they learn about these false gods and idols from? When you read through the book of Judges, And then you read in the books of Chronicles and Samuel and Kings, the false gods that these people worshipped 
They learned about them from the Canaanite nations that were in the land. The ones that they did not obey God in and destroy. God was very clear in His command to the people of Israel that they were to destroy all these people, and yet the Gibeonites, they were tricky. What do you do if someone is trying to trick you? How do you know what the right answer is? Well, let's think about some of the things that happened here. Look back at Joshua chapter 9. So these Gibeonites, they came, they were afraid of being destroyed. They saw that other people were being destroyed. They believed that the God of Israel was more powerful than their false gods. They said, we've seen all this happening and we don't want it to happen to us. They were afraid of him. So they decided to attempt to make peace with the Israelites rather than fight against them. So when they came to make peace, notice what the children of Israel did. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 9 and verse 14, And the men took of their victuals, that's their food, they looked at their food, they looked at their moldy bread, and it says, And asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, and made a league with them to let them live, and the princes of the congregation swear unto them. They made a peace treaty with them. Now, had God said it was okay to make a peace treaty with people that lived far away? Yes, He had. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 20. The children of Israel and Joshua thought that these people came from a far country. Look, they could look at their bread. They were going off what they could see. They made the best decision that they thought they could given the circumstances from what they could see. But what does verse 14 point out to us? That they made a decision without consulting with God. It says, they ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. As I was reading through chapter 9 and studying through this, what really hit me was you have two groups of people, the Gibeonites and the Israelites. They both are making very important decisions. In this passage, the Gibeonites are trying to avoid being slaughtered like everybody else. So they looked at the situation. They feared the God of Israel because they had seen all that he could do. And so they said, well, the only thing we can do is try to make a peace treaty. Well, how are we going to make a peace treaty? Well, we're going to have to trick these people and get them to believe that we came from a far country. They did the very best that they could because they were afraid of God. The children of Israel, on the other hand, did they really do the very best that they could? I believe the Gibeonites, they feared God. They, didn't, they weren't Christians or anything. They were pagan people, but they were afraid of that powerful God. And so they used their brains to make the best decision they could. Children of Israel, on the other hand, the children of God, could they have made a better decision? Yes. How? They could have consulted with God. The Gibeonites used the best resources that they had to make a decision. Children of Israel, on the other hand, did not use all the resources at their disposal to make a good decision. They based their decision on what they could see instead of what God had said. And yet, they could have looked at the Bible and said, well, God said that we can make a treaty with people from far away and these guys are from far away, so it's okay to make a treaty. 
right? At face value, it looks like it's not the children of Israel's fault. We did the best we could. This was what we could see. We tried to make a good decision. And yet God said, you didn't ask counsel of the Lord. When you read about the trickery of the Gibeonites, it says, um, as, as they came and they talked with the people, they made this treaty with them, but it didn't last very long before the children of Israel discovered what they had done. Look down at verse 16. The Bible says it came to pass at the end of three days. That's how long the trick worked. After three days, they made a league with them and they heard that they were their neighbors. Wait a minute. I thought you came from far away. You mean you're my next door neighbor? What a surprise for the children of Israel. They found that they dwelt among them and the children of Israel journeyed and came into their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Shepherath and Beeroth and Kirjath-Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not. They didn't fight against them because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation murmured against the princes. It didn't make the people happy that their leadership had made a decision to form a treaty with their next door neighbors when they didn't realize their next door neighbors, that they were their neighbors. It is very important as leaders of our families, as leaders in a church, as those making decisions that affect other people, that we be very careful to make the very best decision. And how do we make the best decision? We use the resources that God has given us. Should we use our brain? Yes. But we must consult with the Lord. We need to go to His Word. What does the Bible say? We need to spend time in prayer. How is God leading us? What doors has God opened? How has God provided? How is God directing But that's not what the children of Israel did. And the Bible says all the people murmured against them. The princes said, verse 19, All the princes said unto all the congregation, We've sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, now therefore we may not touch them. At least they kept their word. It would have been wrong for them to go and break their word and to go and destroy them. When you say you're going to do something, even if... You realize, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. You still better keep your word and do what you said that you're going to do. The children of Israel, at least in this passage of Scripture, we see that they were men of their word. They were a people of their word. They kept their word and did what they said they were going to do, even though it wasn't very good for them. They said, we will even let them live lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swear to them and the princes said unto them let them live but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation as the princes had promised them and they said all right we'll let them live but they're going to be our servants now think about it god really blessed the gibeonites god had said destroy them but because the gibeonites made a treaty with the children of Israel. Children of Israel promised them they wouldn't. God spared their lives, didn't He? But did the children of Israel have the same positive benefits? No. 
In fact, there became a lot of struggle between them and the Gibeonites. You read about the history of the Gibeonites later on. King Saul even had a, had a big fight with the Gibeonites later on. And because of that, God brought some judgment against King Saul. King Saul ended up having some of his sons die because of fighting with the Gibeonites. God is very concerned that we keep our word. It's very important that we do what we say we're going to do. But I want you to notice now, so three days have passed. They've discovered what has happened. The princes say, you're going to be our servants. Now Joshua, verse 22, he has a very interesting conversation with the Gibeonites. The Bible says, And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you, when ye dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. Joshua realized he had been tricked, and he said, Why did you do it? He said, You're going to have to be servants in the house of God forever. But notice the Gibeonites' response. In a sense, the Gibeonites acted more spiritually minded and God-focused than the children of Israel did in this passage. They said in verse 24, they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land. They said, We knew that God had commanded you to take the land. And they said, and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. The Gibeonites said, we aren't big enough and tough enough to fight against this God of Israel. So we're going to do whatever we can to try to work it out. Notice the other kings. What had they done? They banded together and said, we're going to fight against them. And when you read to chapter 10, that's exactly what they did. And guess what happened to them? They were destroyed completely. You see, the Gibeonites, they realized this was God and they were going to do something about it. They were going to submit to this God one way or another. The children of Israel, though, who had God on their side, they went about thinking, well, God's on our side and we're doing what God tells us to do. But they didn't slow down long enough to seek counsel of the Lord. And so they got themselves in a situation that they regretted. Joshua says, why did you trick us? They said, because we knew what this God could do. We knew what God had commanded Moses to do. We knew that you were going to come in and destroy all of us. And he says, behold, and the Gibeonites said, verse 25, behold, we're in your hand, as it seemeth good and right unto thee to do unto us. Do, and so did he unto them, and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel, that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation. And for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day, in the place which he should choose. It's interesting when you think about the decision-making process of the Gibeonites and the Israelites in this passage. Two decisions were made. Two very different processes were employed. Gibeonites, they recognized who God was, and they said, we're going to make a decision accordingly. Children of Israel knew God, 
But they made their decision based on some moldy bread. Now think about it. As Christians, as followers of God, how do we make decisions in our life? How do we choose what is the best thing to do? Do we just look at everything face value and say, well, this is what we can see, so this is what we're going to do? Or do we go to the Lord to make our decisions? The Bible tells us that sometimes the children of this world are wiser than the children of God. That sometimes the people that don't know God as their Savior make better decisions because they use all the resources given to them. Whereas Christians, sometimes we can be guilty of really walking in our own selfish ambition or our own pride or our own thinking that we know it all and making a decision without consulting God. The Gibeonites saw what God was doing. They heard about God's promises to Israel. They saw the mighty hand of God at work winning miraculous victories. They were afraid of the God of Israel, so they decided to try trickery to make a peace treaty. God blessed the Gibeonites for their decision. Their lives were spared. They feared God and protected them. And God protected them. It sounds very similar to what God did for Rahab and her family in the city of Jericho. Rahab was a pagan woman, and yet she feared God. She knew that God was on the side of the children of Israel, and so she protected the spies, and she let them go. And the spies said, because you protected us, we're going to protect you. That was really Rahab's, her whole decision. It wasn't that Rahab got saved that day or anything like that. She just said, this is the real God. He's at work, and so I'm going to submit to him. That was very different from the rest of the city of Jericho. The Bible says when the children of Israel came, the city of Jericho shut up its doors tight. No man went out and no man came in. Because they thought their walls were strong enough to defeat this God. And yet God showed them very differently, didn't he, when he made the walls fall down flat. But Rahab knew it didn't matter how strong the walls were. The Bible tells us that her house was in the wall, right? She was in one of the safest places in the city. But she knew that God was powerful enough and she feared God and God protected her. The Gibeonites, they could have joined with all the other kings and think, look at this, we've got six nations of people, all these cities coming to fight. We're warriors, we can win this battle. But they, no, they feared God. They were afraid of what God could do to them and so they said, we've got to make a peace treaty here. The children of Israel, on the other hand, they have God on their side. They can win this battle. They've won great battles before. And yet they don't slow down long enough to consult with God. The Bible tells us over in the New Testament, Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. This passage in Philippians is talking about not worrying about things, but instead giving it all to the Lord. How many times are we as Christians guilty of trying to make decisions on our own without consulting what God has said for us to do? God has commanded us many things 
commanded us to do many things. We have looked as a church at the Great Commission. We've been given the responsibility to go out and to make disciples, to preach the gospel to every creature. How can we ever get that done? How can we ever accomplish that? That seems to be far too big of a task. God had commanded the children of Israel to go and to take this land. That was a huge task. Remember, there were giants in the land. Those ten spies, they said, there's no way we can do it. But two trusted God. They waited on God and God directed. And yet even Joshua and Caleb, who would have still been one of the leaders of the nation of Israel at this time, after they had defeated Jericho, after they defeated Ai, now some guys come up in old clothes with some moldy bread and they go, we just want to make a treaty with you. We're from far away. And instead of slowing down long enough to say, hang on, we need to talk to God about this. They made a decision based on what they could see. I think this passage of Scripture, to me, is so impactful as I think about the process that each of us are on in our lives. How as Christians, we, we can tend to go through our ups and downs in our lives, where sometimes it seems like, wow, God is doing great things, and things are happening, and we're trusting God, and God is supplying needs, and He's providing for us, and He's directing us. Sometimes it seems easy to obey God, doesn't it? But other times it seems hard. Other times it's a struggle. Other times we, we just feel like our prayers aren't even being answered sometimes. And we aren't sure what direction to turn. And we can tend to trust in ourselves. Sometimes those most difficult times spiritually come right after the best times spiritually. Why? Because as things begin to go well, our eyes turn away from God and begin to turn to ourselves. We begin to look at the circumstances. We begin to make decisions and we think, wow, it's working well. Look at us. We're so strong now, people are coming to us asking us for a treaty, a treaty, a peace treaty. They want to surrender to us. They want to be our servants. It probably made the children of Israel feel good that day. Boy, we fought some hard battles. AI was tough. We lost 30 men there because of sin, but we dealt with the sin and now we won the victory. And people are hearing about what's happening and now they want to be a part of us. They want to be our servants. Think about their thought process. It probably went something along those lines. And because it looked like it made so much sense, they just stepped right in and they did it. Oh, how we as Christians must seek counsel from the Lord. We need to make decisions based on what God says and who He is rather than what we see or what we think. How interesting is it that in this passage of Scripture, the Gibeonites made the better decision. And yet, the only thing they knew of God is what they had heard. The Israelites had seen it happen. How are we going to live our lives in light of this passage? What do we need to do to live differently? What are things that we're holding on to in our life? Think about it. As Christians, sometimes we live in sin. Holding on to things that we absolutely know are wrong. We know the Bible said it's wrong, and yet we say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. That's so foolish. God sees it. God knows it. He knows what's in your heart. He's God. As Christians, we know that better than anybody. And yet sometimes we go along thinking that somehow it's going to be okay. 
because, well, I'm pretty good most of the time. I've got it together, and we're so full of pride. We're so full of ourselves. How can we be the kind of people that God wants us to be? We must stay humble. Seeking counsel from the Lord means being humble. means slowing down long enough to say, what does God's Word say? It means spending time in prayer about the decisions that we make. God's Word has the answers for us. God's Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us, whether it's decisions on building a church or decisions on raising a family or decisions on jobs or decisions on how I should spend my time. We need to take everything to the Lord, run it through the filter of God's Word. Spend much time in prayer. The Lord has taught me a lot about this over the last year. There have been times where I've struggled with the thought of prayer and thinking, well, why do we pray about things? I mean, how does prayer change God? Prayer doesn't always change God. I think more often than not, it changes us as we submit ourselves to God and share the things on our heart with God. And He works on our heart as we spend time in prayer. I remember the decision for us to leave our ministry in Indiana and to move down here to try to start a new church. I spent a lot of time in prayer. I remember one specific day that I just took a day and went and found a park and sat by a river and read my Bible and prayed about this decision because I wanted God's direction. Didn't want to rush into something and do something just because it sounded neat or just because it was a fun opportunity or just because we would be living closer to family or any of those things. Those weren't good reasons to make the decision. That would be like looking at the bread. Saying, well, it looks good or it looks like that's how it is. We need God's direction for everything we do. It's easy as parents sometimes with our children to say, well, they have this problem, so here's how we need to fix it. We need to give it to the Lord. It's easy to look at our country and think, well, I have all the answers because if these guys just talked to me, they would know what's right. Listen, they need prayer too. The Bible says pray for our leaders, right? Listen, work does not get done to the glory of God without the power of God involved. This church is never going to be the church that God wants it to be if we're just doing our best without God. Because our best without God is worthless. That's like the children of Israel. They weren't using all the resources that they had available to them. How silly would that be? Imagine if you, were, if you had two good arms and two good legs and you were going to play in a basketball game and you were trying to win the championship. But you said, today I think I'm only going to play with one hand. You wouldn't be using all the resources available to you. I saw a video yesterday of a guy who's a concert pianist and he only has one hand. Pretty impressive. And he's really good. Now, we look at that and we say, wow, it's amazing. He's doing the best he can with one hand. And his best with one hand is better than most of us with two hands. I, all of us with two hands, but 
better than most people in the world with two hands. How does he do that? Because he worked really hard and did everything he had or could with what he had. As us today, are we doing everything we can with what God has given us, with who he is and trusting him for direction? Let us be different than the children of Israel. Let us seek the direction that God wants to give us. He promises if we knock on the door, it'll be opened unto us. If we seek, we'll find it. We sang the song this morning, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Are you seeking after God and really trusting Him? Not doing it just based on what you can see, but saying, what does God say? And how is God directing in His Word. That's one of the things we're going to be starting this Wednesday night is a study on prayer. How God wants us to pray and really working to spend more time in prayer. I'm as guilty of it as the next person. It's easy to sit and to visit on Wednesday night. I did it this past Wednesday. You're talking and talking. You're like, we need to pray. And so you have to stop and just pray. And we did. We did pray. But we can do better in that. We need to spend time with the Lord, not just in church as a body, but also individually at home to seek the counsel and direction of the Lord. Will you walk in truth, in obedience to Him today? Will you submit your will to His? Don't just live by what you can see, but what God wants you to do. Let's ask counsel of the Lord. Would you bow your heads for prayer? as we close this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word.